0: Let me add my word of welcome today. We're delighted in your presence. So glad you could be here. We want to welcome those worshiping with us online as well. You know we don't ever know exactly how people will come during the holidays. We have uh, I'm doing the two services today. This morning at nine and at five. Steve is preaching at the beach this morning and then at five and then Ferris preaching the ten fifteen contemporary and at five and then Beacon Light has their service at noon here and we uh, offer that as well. So we have a lot of services. And, we, and people go out of town and different things, but I want you to look around at the quality that we have here today. Look at the person next to you and say, you are quality. I'm just telling you, because I'm glad that you're here today. Now, during the season of Advent, I've been reading the full scripture because it's familiar to you and well-known, and I'd like to do that again today. It's taken from Luke, and here's what it says. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to all those on whom his favor rests. A friend of mine recently told me about a trip he took to the Holy Land in January, right after the Christmas season. He was so excited to see the Jordan River and the Sea of Galilee and the Mount of Olives and the Mount of Transfiguration— to go to the ancient marketplace and see the upper room and the Garden of Gethsemane, the Garden of Resurrection and the village of Jericho, and also, of course, the holy city of Jerusalem. Just being there in those historic, sacred places was wonderful. And he said he came back to the hotel every night, tired but exhilarated from the day. He would find himself subconsciously humming the song, I walk today where Jesus walked. And then early one morning, the tour made their way toward Bethlehem. Was he actually going to get to go to the sacred city where the Christ child was born? Even though it was January, he was ready. As the tour bus slowed to enter the city, he looked out the bus window and he saw shepherds keeping watch over their flock and it looked like the perfect Christmas card. But then when they got into the city of Bethlehem, it was not what he expected. It was a madhouse of chaos. There was loud music and gaudy signs, crass commercialization, the merchants shouting and hawking their souvenirs relentlessly. The people were pushing and shoving, and poor children were begging for one American dollar, and the tour director warned them to watch out for pickpockets. And my friend said he wanted to say, wait a minute, this is Bethlehem, not Bourbon Street. This is Bethlehem, not Times Square. And so it was indeed Bethlehem, but it certainly didn't seem that way. He wanted Christmas, and all he was getting was confusion. He felt let down, disappointed, and disillusioned. As he walked into the church of the nativity, he came to the stop, to the place where they honor Christ's birth. And he was amazed to see the carnival-like atmosphere. Even in the chapel, there was chaotic commercialization, people selling trinkets and t-shirts and pictures and postcards, and, and his spirit sagged even more. And he wanted Bethlehem to be a quiet, peaceful place. But then he said something happened to change all that. There was a little girl about six or seven years old who was standing with her mother in the chapel. Her mother was explaining to the little girl that this was the place where Jesus was born on the very first Christmas. And suddenly in the midst of all that atmosphere of all the merchants and sightseers and tourists, this little girl did a beautiful thing. She dropped to her knees on the spot. She bowed her head and she said, Thank you, God, for sending Jesus. Amen. My friend said as he heard that simple prayer from that little girl that suddenly it was Christmas in his heart. Once again, Christmas had come through a little child. It was a touching moment and it made him realize that Christmas always happens right in the middle of confusion. Christmas and confusion go together. They're intimately related since the first Christmas. And sometimes we forget that. Remember the chaos in Bethlehem the first Christmas night? There was a crowded inn and a stable and a census and long lines. There was political activity and soldiers marching in the street. A busy city with busy people pushing and shoving and worrying about how to make ends meet. And in all of that confusion, Christmas happened. Christmas broke through. In the busy, hectic uproar, it happened. And those who had eyes and ears and hearts of faith saw it and heard it and felt it. And a little child brought Christmas that year. Dr. Bryant Kirkland was the former pastor of the Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. And years ago, he told the story of taking a trip to the West Coast one winter. He said he needed to study on the plane for about three or four hours as they made their way to the coast. And so he settled in and he took out his don't bother me attitude. I've got work to do. And then it happened. A young woman with a little baby sat down next to him. And he said to himself, it's not going to deter me. I'm going to look very Presbyterian. He kept a straight face, and he looked straight ahead, and that lasted about six minutes. And pretty soon, that little boy was pointing at him and saying, man, man, and Dr. Kirkland said he couldn't resist, and so he just put his sermon back in the briefcase, and he picked up that little boy, and he just loved him all the way across the country. And when the plane landed in Los Angeles, that baby's mother said, thank you for doing that. He lost his father not long ago, and he doesn't have a man to play with him and love him like that. Thank you. And Dr. Kirkland said, I realized as I got off the plane and I pushed through the crowd just how much joy and peace that little boy had brought me when I least expected it. Sometimes a child can do that. Sometimes a child can get into the heart that's been locked tight for years. Isn't that what Christmas is all about? There's a child that has brought that kind of joy to millions of hearts. One of the greatest hymns of the Advent season is, Come thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. That's the good news of Christmas. God meets us where we are. He breaks into our busy lives. He makes himself known as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And through the angel, God tells the shepherds the meaning of the most significant event. The meaning is peace. Jesus' birth will bring peace, shalom, blessedness, fullness. That's the message that the angel gave to the shepherds and then through them to us. Christ's coming means peace. It's not just the absence of war necessarily. It's a different kind of peace. Jews in Israel still greet one another today by saying, Shalom, peace. You can wish nothing for anyone any better than Shalom, blessed fullness. However, the peace that the angel speaks of is not for everyone. The Greek word used here is for all people, is laos, the laos, from which we get the word laity. The laity are not second-class citizens and Christians and the clergy being first-class. In fact, in the Bible, there is no distinction between clergy and laity. The laos are the people of God. Laos is a word used to describe the Israelites, God's special chosen people. We who are the new Israel, we are the Laos as well. The best translation the Greek scholars have come up with for the message of peace is peace among people. We are the recipients of God's good pleasure. If you're able to receive what God has to give, then the message of peace is for you. I wish it for all of us today that we could receive it, that we could experience it, that we could celebrate it. And the angel told the shepherd that the peace will come by the Savior, who is Christ the Lord. You know, His name, Jesus, it means salvation. Jesus is a common name in Latin American countries even today. And the angel used names to identify the one who would bring the peace. First, the Savior, the Hebrew word meaning rescuer, the Christ, the Greek word for the anointed one, and the chosen one, or the Messiah. The third was the Greek-speaking Hebrew people, God himself, or Lord, or Yahweh, and he was both God and man. Jesus is the rescuer, the anointed one, the Messiah, God himself, Lord, Yahweh, and the bearer of peace. The angels predicted that the peace would come when we give glory to God in the highest. Peace doesn't come by political means. The peace won't come through treaties and it won't come through power. It will come when we see it well up in our neighbors and in our neighborhoods. The angels give us the precondition for peace. It has nothing to do with political decisions, but rather... It was given to the shepherds. Now the shepherds were a despised class of people. They were outcasts in respectable society, but their on- and their honesty and integrity was so questionable that they were not even allowed to testify in court in those days. The particular shepherds that they were speaking of here were probably pious Jews, but they were also a part of the outclass caste outcast class, through whom God chose to reveal the meaning of Christ. There's an old saying that war is too important to be left to the generals. It's too important to be left to the diplomats or the professionals. They just mess it up. The message of Christmas and the message that the shepherds brought, they, they bypass the professional peacemakers. They gave their message and interpretation to the amateurs. And you know, we need amateur peacemakers today. It's not the great diplomats or ambassadors from thousands of years ago. It's not the peace treaties. They're most for, mostly forgotten. The world is still celebrating peacemaking message that came through the amateur peacemakers. The peacemakers like the Apostle Paul and Luke himself. Jesus is called the Reconciler. And in reconciliation, that which is broken comes together. Because we know that the devil, Satan, the enemy, is the father of division. Now whether or not you believe in a personal devil, you have to realize that there is certainly evil at work in the world today. And it's dividing families and neighbors and all kinds of nations, and all you have to do is watch the news to see it. In fact, you don't believe in him only because of the great benefit for the devil, but it's also a detriment to you if you don't realize that he's real. The lesson for God is here that we need to make peace first with God, and then we need to make peace with our neighbors, and then we need to make peace with ourselves as well. Jesus brought peace to a man who was described as beside himself, a person who was looking for peace but did not have it. His head and his heart and all the conflicting emotions came together, and he had to be delivered. If you skip down into verse 20, it says, "...the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told." We are told to embrace the experience of Christmas, to acknowledge it and affirm it and praise God for it. But Christmas doesn't end on December 26th. We are to share the Christmas message with us throughout the year and to praise God for all that He has done and given us. Let me show you what I mean as we look at what we can learn from the Christ child. First, the Christ child teaches us the truth about God. In other words, Christmas clears up the theological confusion. Christmas shows us what God is like. It gives us a new picture and reveals to us the good news and glad tidings. A little seven-year-old boy had been outside playing when he came in for dinner. He ran in, jumped up into the chair, sat down, grabbed his fork, ready to eat. Wait, 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 Tommy, his mother said. You have germs on your hand. You have to go wash your hands before you have dinner. So he jumped down from his chair and he went and washed his hands and he came back to the table and he jumped back up into his chair and he grabbed his fork and he was ready to eat. But again, his mother stopped him. Wait just a minute, Tommy. She said, we have to say the blessing before we eat. We want to thank God for our food. Little Tommy put down his fork and shook his head and said, germs and God, germs and God, that's all I ever hear about around here. And I ain't never seen neither one of them. Now, we can sympathize with Tommy's predicament, but Christmas can help us here because Christmas gives God a face. Christmas shows us who He is and what He is like. William Barclay, in his commentary on Matthew, said it this way, Jesus tells us what God is like and what God means us to be like Him. In Him, we see God and we see what we ought to be. Before Jesus came, men had only vague, shadowy, wrong ideas about God, and they could only at best guess and grow. But Jesus would say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In Jesus we see love and compassion and mercy and a seeking heart and the purity of God as no one else in the world. With the coming of Jesus, the time of guessing is gone and the time of certainty has come. He came to tell us the truth about God and about ourselves. And the good news of Christmas is that Jesus shows us what God is like through his love. God is like a loving parent who cares about us and understands and is concerned about our welfare. It's interesting to know that Jesus said, fear not. Don't be afraid, many times in the Bible. It's also in the Christmas story in Luke's gospel. The angel says to the shepherds, Don't be afraid, I bring you good news. And the most significant gift of Christmas, God gives us new understanding of our relationship with Him and His love. Christmas comes, and it breaks into all of the confusion, and the Christ child reminds us that God is a loving Father. The second thing we learn is the Christ child teaches us the truth about other people. Christmas clears up the ethical confusion. Christmas Christmas gives us respect and regard. Christmas breaks through the fog and shows us that people are important, more important than things. And Christmas reminds us that we are all family. Charlie Brown and Linus are watching television. Snoopy, the dog, is standing on top of the TV with his ears stuck up in a V shape serving as an antenna. Charlie Brown looks at Linus and says, I don't understand it either. All I know is he gives us a better picture. That could be said about Christmas, couldn't it? You know, I'm quick to confess that I don't understand everything about the coming Christ child. All I know is that he gives us a better picture, a sharper image. He clears up the confusion. He shows us what God is like and what God wants us to be like. Have you heard about the upside-down Christmas tree? Do you know about that? It comes from the 12th century Central European tradition of hanging a Christmas tree from the ceiling. You know what happens when you put your tree on the on the ceiling, don't you? You have more room on the floor for presents. Some of you are going to go home and change yours today, I know. I just saw an article on the news about it this week. It's been around for a while, but I saw people who did that. They did it because their cats kept getting into the Christmas tree and going after the decorations and even turning the Christmas tree over. But unfortunately, the whole world has lost the message about Christmas. Christmas is really not about giving, getting, is it? It's about giving. When we want to celebrate Christmas, we see the Son was given to us to save the whole world. If you want to celebrate Christmas, then you must know what God is like. In the comic strip, for better or worse, it's Christmas morning and little Elizabeth, the daughter, and the family is sitting in front of the Christmas tree with all the unopened gifts. She obviously is thinking about something when her father enters the room. And he says, now, Elizabeth, it's too early to open anything yet. I know, she says, Daddy, I I was just thinking. I was thinking about kids. I was thinking about the kids that don't have any presents. I was thinking about kids who are in the hospital right now, and people who are lonely. And I was just thinking how blessed I am. And then she said, Daddy, Christmas is Jesus' birthday, isn't it? Yes, it is, replied her father. And then Elizabeth said, You know, I wish I had something to give him. And the father, obviously moved by what Elizabeth has just said, picks her up and says, Honey, you already have. That's the message of Christmas, and it's a reminder to all of us that we are fortunate in so many ways. I'm sure each of us could make a big list of our blessings, and we could share them with God and thank Him for them. If you want to express your love and appreciation to God, then the best way to do it is to love His children. That's what the prophets meant when they said God doesn't care about burnt offerings or sacrifices or lavish prayers. What God really wants from us is to be merciful, forgiving, thoughtful, and loving to one another. That's why Christ came, to show us how to care, to show us how to love, and to remind us that we are family. And third, the Christ child teaches us the truth about life. In a world that sometimes seems cold and heartless, the Christ child gives us a new perspective on life. For Christmas, a grandmother made a new afghan for her grandson to replace the old well-worn one that he had had. When he received it, he said, Grandma, thank you so much. I really needed this. My old blanket has lost all of its warmth. That's what the Christ child brings into our lives, warmth. In a world that seems cold and heartless, his warmth is something that we can share with others. Sometimes we get a glimpse of that through the lives of individuals who make us feel like the world is a better place. Do you know people like that? You just love to see them coming. They always are uplifting. They encourage you. You like to be around them. A few years ago, Dr. Hoover Rupert, a minister and author, told the true story about what took place at the Mohawk Central School in Plains Hollow, New York. The principal of that school was concerned that some of the children were from poor families and that they would not have a very good Christmas. So he set up a Santa's Christmas helper fund, And he encouraged all the students to contribute whatever they could. And the gifts were brought in for underprivileged children in the area. There was a 13-year-old boy in that school who liked the old idea. And so he scrimped and saved for weeks so he could help a poor child at Christmas. And he managed to save 15 cents. But on the day that the contributions were to be received, which was the last day before Christmas vacation, there was a terrible blizzard and school was canceled. There was snow and ice everywhere. There were no buses running. But this 13-year-old boy convinced himself that there would be somebody at the school to receive his money. So he walked through a blizzard to put his 15 cents in the hands of the principal. And as that boy turned around to walk back out into that blizzard and make his way back home, the principal had to swallow hard and blink back tears because he knew that that boy's name was on the list of underprivileged children. They would receive gifts from the Santa's Helpers Fund that year. It's so easy for you and me to give in to the temptation to complain about the chaos of Christmas, to look at the confusion and the commercialization, and to say, I just can't get into the Christmas spirit this year. They've ruined it. One writer calls that the Christianized, humbug attitude. Don't give in to it, because no matter what, Christmas is going to happen It's going to come right in the middle of all the confusion and all the chaos and all the hectic, busy things that go on. And I hope and pray that you and I will be ready to see it and to hear it and to feel it and to share it as never before. I pray in your Son's name, Lord. Amen. Amen.